Namaste. As part of the writings of Sri Aurobindo, today we will take up Collected Works of Sri Aurobindo, Volume 17. Now, as we know, 17 and 18 comprise Sri Aurobindo's writings on the Upanishads. Though he has written at places in Karmi Yogin, he has written at places in um, in his earlier writing, Bengali writings. Especially the Ish Upanishad, Shurbindo started writing on the Ish Upanishad as early as 1900. And one of his first experiences was in England after he had read uh, a translation of the Ish Upanishad and he had a realization of the self in the mind, which much later he speaks about it. So, um, in fact, there are several drafts about life divine where he starts with one or half a phrase of Ishupanishad and builds upon that. So, out of all the Upanishads, Shurbindo regarded the Isha Upanishad, which is what volume 17 is about. Now it is into two volumes. Earlier in SABCL, we will find the entire Upanishads in one volume. But now uh, it is in two volumes and I think it is a good thing. Though there are many incomplete drafts, but they are really fascinating and worth reading. Some of his early writings on uh, when he speaks about the life divine, when he speaks about creation, all this is there. Even as incomplete drafts, they are very fascinating. So now we have two volumes on the Upanishads, main volumes. One is volume 17, which is Isha Upanishad. And the second is Kena and other Upanishads. So... As we know, Upanishads has two meanings. The traditional meaning is Upanishad, to sit below. Who, below where? At the feet of the master. And to sit below also means with a state of humility. You don't uh, go to a master saying, I know, but let me see, test your knowledge, see what you can tell me. <laughs> so Upanishad, by its very nature, used to be transmitted by the guru to a disciple. That was the whole way of the Upanishad. And its other meaning, which Rabindo says uh, more, more in like is the accurate meaning is a secret place where you enter into a secret place the secret sanctuary of knowledge that's where you go so you go into the heart of the inner being the inner truth the core of knowledge so Upanishads uh, have long been regarded as a wonderful literature Vedantic they are the Vedanta so they are the end of knowledge that is contained in the Veda so in other words the quintessence Vedas are a huge body of literature so out of that, there were people who culled out some portions. And they said, okay, this is about like what is the highest supreme knowledge that they took out. Now later on, the older Upanishads are the ones which are regarded as the principal Upanishads, Mukhya Upanishads, because they are more in touch with the Vedic lore. The later Upanishads, they became, uh, they are plenty. Some people say 200, some say 108, sacred figure. <laughs> and more and more people wrote new Upanishads. But in its origin, they were these Upanishads were culled out from the Vedic texts. And um, uh, as if they were like the most essential portion. It's like if you have to compile a book like uh, The Life Divine. So you pick out some few fundamental ideas which are key. Now, Life Divine is... Uh, not the correct analogy because life divine, everything is uplifted. It's not about karmkan. But still, like for instance, mother took the last six chapters of the life divine. Uh, triple transformation. These are key chapters. So it doesn't matter whether you know about rebirth, order of the worlds or not, but these are key key chapters. So similarly, um, the Ish Upanishad is regarded as the oldest Upanishad, according to Sri I am not talking of other authors with different opinions and viewpoints. But it belongs to the 
एंशेंट पीरियड वेन उपनिषद वेर स्टिल इन कनेक्शन विद द वेदिक टेक्स्ट लेटर ऑन दे द लेटर उपनिषद स्टार्टेड फोकसिंग मोर ऑन द कर्म कांड एंड मोर ऑन द आउटर दे कुन टच दैट कोर बट ईश उपनिषद टच इज दैट कोर दे इज अनदर इंटरेस्टिंग थिंग अबाउट ईश उपनिषद वाई दिस इज अ सेपरेट वॉल्यूम एंड शुरबिंद गेव सो मच इंपॉर्टेंस टू इट फर्स्ट पब्लिकेशन इज इन नाइनटीन टेन सब्सिक्वेंटली नाइनटीन इलेवन ट्वेल्व दे आर सेवरल ड्राफ्ट दिस वॉल्यूम इज फ्रॉम नाइनटीन फोर्टीन टू फिफ्टीन दैट इज द फाइनल वर्जन विच ही टुक आउट थ्रू द आर्या सो ईशो उपनिषद शुभिंदो रिगार्ड्स इज द फाउंडेशन फॉर द डिवाइन लाइफ वाई बिकॉज वॉट रियली इज डिवाइन लाइफ इन वेरी सिंपल टर्म्स इट इज रिकनसाइलिंग डिवाइन एंड लाइफ इफ यू वॉन्ट टू पुट इट मोस्ट सिंपली वाई बिकॉज लाइफ सेम्स टू अपोज और मूव इन वन डायरेक्शन एंड डिवाइन इज टोटली डिफरेंट इज प्योरेस्ट होलीस्ट ऑफ द होली ओमनीसियंट ओमनीपोटेंस लाइफ इज स्ट्रगलिंग वीक मेम्ड प्रोन टू एरर्स इग्नोरेंस सफरिंग divine is all ananda his pure existence life seems to be constantly running here there and everywhere and finding nothing at the end of the day so this upanishad is one of the boldest not one of the the boldest of upanishads and even if one doesn't read any other upanishad but just reads is upanishad it's enough to know the core of vedantic thought especially because uh, it gives us the clue to reconciling the opposites and it doesn't just take up opposites like life and world and god it takes the extreme of these opposites and then it reconciles giving us the reconciling thread and how they are placed juxtaposed to each other so this is the beauty of this upanishad and one of the shortest just about 18 shlokas and in that 18 shlokas it has poured in a whole world um, there is a view point i forget now whose view point but i do believe that if uh, all the rest of indian thought literature is gone now i am talking of before shurbindo's coming <laughs> and just ish upanishad remains it is enough to resurrect the indian civilization and um, i would add just the first shloka or the first uh, movement first word of the first shloka quarter of the shloka can save life can save a civilization this is the power of the upanishad um of course uh, it is a subject of um, a whole workshop uh, and still it would be less it's this issue upnish ish literally means the lord so who is the lord so it it speaks about the lord and it speaks about life it speaks about world it speaks about man in the world it speaks about action it speaks about knowledge it speaks about oneness it speaks about multiplicity <laughs> it speaks about the lord in all his purity and and the law of life that we want to know what should be my way to act in this world all this in one single 18 verses upanishads is amazing so this is the ish upanishad and um, this is one part of this book then there is another part of the book which is uh, this is complete there are fragments out of which one which is at least my all time favorite and i want to read some of the passages from that also is isha vasya upanishad um it used to be available as a separate booklet now it is known not there and uh, here typically in the way of the upanishad isha upanishad or upanishads there is a guru student dialogue apparently this was written for uh, bhavani mandir when people will come so they need a book like a handbook that they want to be connected to yoga and yet they want to fight against the britishers 
So what should be the basis of their action, principle of their action? So it seems that should have been the road the Isha Vashupanishad for um, human beings who, who would eventually join at some point of time uh, this, this, this battle, the Kuru Shetra, which was going on, and they would have this as a small booklet. This is incomplete because Shudvinda has taken up only the first seven slokas. But it is enough to, uh, what shall I say, mind-blowing, awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping, head-opening, everything. We'll just read a few passages. Those passages are amazing in terms of just meditating on those passages. Is Reading them is uplifting. I'll give just one example of a passage. We'll read, read lift or rise toward the sun. If you are down in the dumps, totally gone into the ditch, just read this, lift your eyes towards the sun. And then read that passage, which we'll read today. It's like you are instantly rejuvenated. So he, he, he speaks about these things and that Guru Student Samvad is very beautiful in the terms of it, is, it takes that more modern format where a student asks based on some western thinkers, European scholars and uh, so on and so forth. Shankaracharya. Now, um, speaking of Shankaracharya, this Upanishad is a very interesting history because this Upanishad seems to entirely contradict entirely the illusionistic thought. So, people took two approaches. One was the one taken by Shankaracharya. They tried to actually even play with words to give it an illusionistic meaning. Because try as you may, you can't, uh, you know, it is so forceful and life-affirming Upanishad that you can't give it an illusionistic meaning. So, he tried and others went one step ahead. They completely eliminated it from the list of Upanishads. Otherwise, it comes from a portion of the Shukla Yajurveda it's a portion called out from there so this is the power of this Upanishad so if one wants to read Upanishad forget about everything else just read the Isha Upanishad time is short, if there is just one day to live read Isha Upanishad I am saying best is of course you read Mother Savitri but I, but I am saying before the advent of that typically a Hindu person who doesn't believe in anything, please read just the Isha Upanishad, this is a one day reading let somebody read out to you. You will probably um, wake up from the deathbed and say, I want to go for action. Really, that is the power of the Upanishad, this Upanishad. So, uh, there are a lot of meanings which have been twisted and all and uh, that's not the approach we are taking. And besides, it's about the writings of Sri Aurobindo and not about the... Where is it? Ah, there it is. So, and not about... Um, the scholarly debate about Ishupanishad. So, we come straight to it. So, we'll see that these um, slokas are arranged in a certain sequence where there is an attempt at reconciliation. So, first effort at reconciliation is between the Lord and this world. So, this world is constantly changing, ever-changing. And there is the Lord who is the supreme inhabitant. So, what is the relation of the Lord and this world? And Shubhinda puts it right in the beginning. Esha Vasya Midam Sarvam. He is the Lord of all this that is. He, all this is his dwelling place. He has built all these dwelling places out of his own force so that he can dwell into it. Each is a mansion of the Lord from the minuscule atom to the galaxies and all the worlds, countless worlds. He has built it for his own dwelling. Okay? 
Isha Vasyamidam Sarvam. I'm not going to do the Sanskrit of others because that's a separate subject. Isha Vasyamidam Sarvam Yatkinche Jagatyam Jagat. And Shubhita dwells upon this Jagatyam Jagat. Jagat is not just earth, but everything that is in motion. Everything from the atoms to the galaxies, everything. Even the gods are in motion, as the Upanishad will tell us. And it is meant for the habitation of the Lord. Okay, wonderful. Such a wonderful hymn of praise of the Lord. What should I do, sir? You don't forget that you are a portion of the Lord. You are the Lord. That's what it will say. So, okay, what next? Experience, live in this world with delight. On what basis? So, it gives a practical, see the power packed Upanishad. Tena tyaktena bhunjita. By renouncing and joy. It is reconciling renunciation and enjoyment. In just quarter of a phrase. Renounce and thereby experience delight. And this quarter sloka can become a whole lifetime sadhana. Renounce what? Nothing outward. Because the next sloka will reaffirm us. Nothing outward. Don't renounce action. Don't renounce people, world. Nothing. Why? Because that is for the habitation of the Lord. Lord is inhabiting it. So how can you renounce what the Lord has accepted. So what is to be renounced? Renounce the egoistic standpoint and the desired self. These are the only two things to be thoroughly renounced, expelled from every little corner of a being. Wherever one smells the ego, throw some, throw it out of the window or call the Divine Mother to throw it out. Wherever you feel desire, why? Because desire is a limitation. See, what do ego and desire? Delight is the natural state of our being because Deep within we are the Lord. And it's so true. You see children, till uh, parents and till society and till the schooling system corrupts them. Literally corrupts. That only if you do this, only if you have this, can you be happy. Till then they are naturally happy. But then of course, what happens? Somebody gives them a, uh, maybe a Bible. Somebody gives them some money. Somebody gives something else. Oh, you are bukinange. You are so unhappy. But nobody gives them the principle of life which can truly liberate us. And from that point it starts. No, this that you will you will give you money. So you are actually corrupting the consciousness. Whereas it's not money which will make us happy. There are plenty of things can be spoken about it. Tena tyaktena bhunjita. Renounce the desire and you see you will be happy. Actually, one hour of practice one can experience it. And there are many practical things. One of the first things that the mother, when she, in 1914, she would say that, just do one hour of selfless work. <laughs> That's all that is required. Of course, if your whole life can become that, so wonderful. So, bunjita. From that it comes, Why you want to possess somebody else, this possessiveness, this wanting to control, this is mine, I must have it, I must take it. Because it's not yours. It is the Lord's. <laughs> Don't live in this illusion. This illusion will one day collapse and bring much pain and misery. So the day we deal with life, knowing it belongs to the Lord, everything else will flow naturally from it. How will we deal with earth? It belongs to the Lord. Will we not worship it? How will we deal with human beings? Will we be harsh to them? Will we be abusive? Will we be whatever we do? No, because they belong to the Lord. Lord dwells in them. How will we deal with plants and animals and earth and even uh, material objects? 
we'll deal with them beautifully consciously because lord dwells in that <laughs> how will we deal even with our own body will we abuse it no why because the lord dwells in it everything comes from this so they said this one can save but the upanishad is not satisfied the rishi just by saying this because he knows human beings will twist so he further affirms kurvanneve karmani jiji visheshatanksama verily you must live for 100 years doing verily works in this world one should wish to live 100 years oh god <laughs> not 100 years of a retirement enjoyment no verily works in this world why because jagatyam jagat it is all meant for habitation of the lord keep building mansions for the lord what a beautiful powerful philosophy it is you must wish to live for 100 years and shubindu says that people often regard works as a bondage he says yes when you do it in ignorance then it is a bondage but when you do it consciously with without the ego and desire self knowing that it is for the lord now you see from there all these doctrines come offer remember consecrate nishkam karma everything comes from this principle and then you should wish to live like that thus it is in the further affirms not satisfied only with this thus it is in the and not otherwise than this action cleaves not to a man so if you live this way action will not hold you in bondage and shubindu goes on to describe the state of jivan mukta in this very volume elsewhere one of the incomplete writings uh, fragments he says a person may be a yogi he may be a seer and yet he may not be free but because he may be realizing the union not fully realize somebody asks him that you know what if about yogis who fall he says but a jivan mukta is free even if though he is doing all the works in the world why because inwardly he is free outwardly he is engaged with the world going through all its things and yet inwardly he is free he knows who he is that's the jivan mukta and the upanishad is not satisfied even with this so it further goes on to confirm what about those who don't take this path this wide path sunless are those worlds and enveloped in blind gloom where to all they in their passing hence resort who are slayers of their souls so there is a lot of thing about it it of course in a, a simple straight way is that those who commit suicide but what is behind suicide acute egoistic state that's what the mother says depression is an acutely egoistic state and she says whenever you are depressed tell yourself i am in a state of acute egoism me mine and eventually what is this state of me and mine extreme acute egoism slayer of the soul we are moving away from it so what happens when we leave this world in that state when we die and depart like that we go into worlds of gloom sunless are those worlds so it affirms life it gives the principle on which life you know we have to live and how life can grow beautiful and how life can grow you know full of delight uh, once i think um, someone had remarked among the in the western literature that you know the entire works of uh, indian thought can come in in one shelf of the european library so one could say one quarter of shloka of ishupanishad will be heavy when you weigh the entire library of all the thought 
what a life-affirming thought it is. And the principle he gives, the basis he gives, what happens after death, what happens when you lead an acute egoistic life, you will go into a series of depression because you're living only for yourself and ultimately it will lead to perdition and fall. So this first movement sets the it's like, you know, an opening batsman, to use an analogy, comes and starts hitting sixes right on the very first few balls. That I am not here to just defend myself. I am here to stay and play well and play with delight. So it's like that. Then come the next series of slokas which further take it. You know, that's the plan in the Gita also we see. But the next um, two slokas, where he speaks about one unmoving that is swifter than mind. Now you see this is the paradox. Movement and the stable basis. First is renunciation and enjoyment. Lord and nature. God and creation. Reconciled. And then comes that movement. And as he writes in Savitri, force, unimagin- force one with unimaginable rest. So how can the two be reconciled? Normally we alternate. So how is this stable basis of this world? can be reconciled with the world which is constantly in motion. And here it comes not only the world, even the gods who are running the world are also in motion at the behest and call of him who exceeds them. So one unmoving that is swifter than mind. That's in Ken Upanishad it comes as a story that even the mind cannot reach him. So he is stable but he is absolute. So the gods cannot reach him. They keep on expanding the circle and as they expand, they believe they are near and they, he appears again far. <laughs> so that's how they reach not for it progresses ever in front. That even supramental realization, the mother says that this is for us for the moment because we will make a complete transition from life in ignorance to life in knowledge which makes a world of difference. But she says, but it will keep unfolding. Because he is infinite. Where will we fix a term? Or an end to the divine unfolding? That standing passes beyond others as they run. It's not that he is moving. But he is beyond. He is beyond by his nature. He is beyond. <laughs> you just cannot catch him. That's how you know Kabir would put it. That saath samand ke masi karo. Lekhani tab ban rai. Dharti to kagat karo. Harigun likhana jai. You cannot, you, you can use infinite names and words and qualities and descriptions. Yet you cannot write everything about him. So he is always ahead. In that the master of life establishes the water. There is the origin of life. There is the origin of creation. Look at this. Shubindu of course gives it, um, in, goes in great detail of this word, Matarishwa. That is where life and creation emerge from. There he has established the master of life. How beautiful this uh, three words are to meditate upon. Who is the master of my life? The master of life. And see how life changes. The master of man and his infinite lover. He is close to our hearts had we vision to see. We are lost in the pride and the pomp of our passions. We are bound by our thoughts where we hold ourselves free. Thoughts also move in circle. The gods will move it but yet he will be beyond. So he is beginning to reconcile that. How he reconciles it? There. That is the origin of life and creation. <laughs> so it's not like this movement is cut off from him. He is the one who is the origin. Not just the origin. This is of course very lyrical and poetical. 
my sanskrit is not so perfect so i don't feel like uh, you know spoiling it but just look at it tadejati tannayjati taddure tadvantike tadantarasya sarvasya yattadu sarvasya asya bahiyat it's so lyrical this entire upanishad even to read it is so beautiful and shubhendra says now he further reconciles oh so he is there and he is the origin rest is auto no sir that moves and that moves not he who is moving all this that moves <laughs> you know he describes all he loves all he moves all are his all is he so he's not just sitting there and things have originated so it further goes on to affirm that moves and that moves not that is far and the same is near so that we don't start saying okay okay he is the origin of everything far up above absolute is somewhere out there no sir he is also near nearest of the near that is within all this and that is also outside all this so this way it reconciles the lord and nature so we when we become one with the lord we become we have to become in totality one with you know we have to be in this creation as the lord is in this creation by joining with him by living with that consciousness the principle has already been given in the beginning then come these three shlokas which speak about which further qualify it okay he is there and this creation and he has entered into creation there is a hint here but then these two particularly which shurbindo's favorite uh, i am told in one of his uh, conversations he spoke to niruddha that when in alipur jail he used to walk between the cow shed and the place where prisoners were making things he was allowed some time to walk so he would often walk with these shlokas of the these two shlokas of the upanishad in his uh, inner being constantly repeating itself or so what were these two shlokas yastu sarvani bhutani atmanevanu pashyati sarvabhuteshu chatmanam tato navij gupsate look at the power in this but he who sees everywhere the self in all existence so we have to live like that everywhere there is the one self and all existences in the self shrinks not thereafter from out who will shrink after that battlefield here there he drives in the car and strikes in the spears why will you shrink from where you will shrink and where you will go where you will escape nothing is outside the lord this tendency that this world is somewhere here lord is there so escape from there where and how can you escape because all is within the lord this entire creation this emergence this collapse everything is happening within his consciousness and he is near us far from us near us and the beauty is he who sees everywhere the self in all existences and all existences in the self will we ever hate somebody will we ever be angry with anyone shrinks not thereafter from out so powerful this is this was the original yoga on the basis of which men like warriors like bhishma arjuna and the great um, warriors of old shatratej that's how they lived life they didn't shrink from a battle which was rightly or justly it had come their way nor they shrank from life if you if you read that poem rishi 
another very favorite poem what what should have been the sage in the end manu says there is a deluge and there is an ice age and everything has vanished we'll do it into um, talks there's no problem the next will be shavashupnisha so what does manu say manu asks i see nobody and i have the wide domain and what do i do so he says shrink not from life so yes but you are uh, sitting there meditating he says yes i have gone through all the worlds met all the gods oh is he brahma is he vishnu he says no he is still beyond after everything he says what do you i have to do you give me that final knowledge he says we are but sparks of that fire shrink not from life shrink not from love love men love world love god what a powerful whole thing you know that toward the end so he says that but where will i find him <laughs> because you say he says find him here upon earth at the end he says find him here upon earth this is what he has made for himself to establish himself find him here upon earth and it closes with wonderful um, you know that passage but here he puts it like this that he who sees everywhere the self in all existences and all existences in the self the one self in us to krishna seeks for love and joy in us to shiva wrestles with the world's grief my rivals downfall is my own disgrace i look at my enemy and i see krishna's face how beautiful life would become do we need moral doctrines after this <laughs> love your neighbor love your this thing love why <laughs> it is all that and much more is there why only neighbors what about distant galaxies like you know you have to start warring no and that love is so wonderful it's not like lovey dovey wala love that <laughs> love can <laughs> that also he'll explain shrinks not thereafter from out now he further okay he is within and everything is within him means what he is within my body and my body is within me but my body has these cells my body has fingers what about these things where, do, where what are they so he says he in whom yasmin sarvani bhutani atme va bhut vijanata tatra ko moha ka shoka ekatvam anupashyata he in whom it is the self being that has become all existences he knows that every cell of the body see the basis of divine life and the yoga of the cells everything is precised here everything every atom of existence is nothing else but he has become all this he is not just being but he is also in the becoming the thing that he is reconciling here is being and becoming all this becoming so we look at separative consciousness oh this fellow died that person is born but for the lord it is he who takes birth in bodies and it's he who draws away those bodies into himself that is a vision on the battlefield of kurukshetra we feel very responsible with headaches so here comes he in whom it is the self being that has become all existences that are becoming so he is reconciling these two for he has the perfect knowledge he who knows this has the perfect knowledge not just that there is god and you know you pray for him and to him and not pray for him <laughs> pray to him and he you know will one day dukh ki duniya hai one day he will come open a door and take you up but this too is it is he who is here how shall he be deluded tatra ko moha ka shoka ekatvam anupashyata when shall he have grief who sees everywhere oneness okay 
So how did this becoming happen? So the next sloka explains that. Sloka 8. It's a bit difficult Sanskrit, so I'll just read the English part. Look at it. It is he that has gone abroad. It is that wisdom of old. Pragya, Prashato, Purano. That has gone into this world. Can't we see it? Everything. How order has come out of an indeterminate chaos. It is he that has gone abroad. Now he is further qualifying it. Look how this Upanishad is building step by step. Taking us closer and closer to the ultimate uh, truth. It is he that has gone abroad. Not that he is there and in absence of six days he created a world and seven days okay I take leave. He has become this world and the mother says you know I had to wrestle with this idea because I was born with this conception that you know God is there and this world is here and he says even Shurabindu because of the western education had to fight with this idea Lord is there and this is the world but in Hindu thought always it is the Lord has become the world so if you want to change the world become one with the Lord that's the way to change the world so it is he that has gone because then we know what is the will that also will come it is he that has gone abroad that which is bright bodiless without scar of imperfection without sinews pure without sinews pure unpierced by evil so he's describing who has gone into this world what is this consciousness operating behind all the anomalies of life behind the good and the evil what is that consciousness so it is saying it is pure the seer the thinker, the one who becomes everywhere, the self-existent has ordered objects perfectly according to their nature from ears sempiternal. In his consciousness, all is self-existent. That has to realize itself through the becoming. Because the divine perfection is hid inside everything, therefore we seek that perfection outside. It means that fundamentally all of us have deep within the divine and the divine nature. Nobody is fundamentally wicked or you know sinful, all these ideas. Fundamentally we are all deep within divine. In the becoming he is unfolding himself through forms that he makes and which are drawn away by his force, nature, Matarishwa. So through his own force he is making this creation and absorbing back building more and more perfection because he is that. Is there an end to that perfection? No, because it's an eternal unfolding. There are grades of perfection. The animal world is perfect within its limits. The human, perfect within human limits. But human beings are born to carry this human perfection to a divine perfection. But divine perfection is not a static thing. Let's rest and relax. <laughs> but that unfolding will be delightful. Then comes these again further for um, five slokas where he, the Upanishad, again reconciles. Nowadays there is this tendency that you know escape, this world is a snare, rebirth, cycles in which you are caught, trapped, they are a prison. So it says very powerfully, Andham tama pravishanti yo avidyam upasate. Tato bhuya iva te samo ya amrata. What is it saying? Into a blind darkness they enter who follow after the ignorance. Illusionists will say, see, that's what we are saying. People who act under ignorance, they are into blind darkness. But the Upanishad says, hold on. 
they as if into a greater darkness to devote themselves to the knowledge alone kya baat ho gayi what is this that is a greater darkness yes blinded by the light see what happens if there is too much light you can't see the different that's why the super mind super mind can reconcile the being and becoming if you go into that utter oneness you lose hold upon this that's what many of these yogis did and they said it doesn't matter nature you can't change let it just flow there are paramanshas like that who allow things to pass through their nature and they are not affected yes sir they are not affected but they are not fulfilling the work in creation for which they are here so here it is into a blind darkness they enter who follow after the ignorance the ignorant ways of humanity they as if into a greater darkness who devote themselves to the knowledge alone ab hum ashram mein aage now you know i'll be away from that's why this ashram is not like that shobinda says i had to use the word ashram because i want a better term he says ashram here comes from the root shram to labor to have effort then he says again reconciling now what knowledge and ignorance so ignorance is meaningless no ignorance prepares us for knowledge there is another kind because then he'll be okay fine there is ignorance there is knowledge how do you reconcile the two so it says other verily it is said is that which comes by the knowledge other that which comes by the ignorance this is the lore we have received from the wise who reveal that to our understanding so if you just cut yourself off from this you will never understand the working of this world and shubhendu brings it out very beautifully that what is the yogin's uh, how will a yogin work with art science and all those things he says a yogin when he deals with science he will try to understand the lines of forces the way you know what is science it's a play of forces so like in sankhya you have these panch bhut which Uh, create this world so he tr- wants to understand things from a deeper and deeper perspective and then is filled with wonder by the ways of the divine that is his aim now if you don't enter into this ignorance you will never know it you will just summarily dismiss it it's all virus it's all illusion it's all this it's all that but when you enter you actually enter into the details through which divine is working the becoming itself is so fascinating it gives us the integral knowledge of the divine and then Uh, what else in art art will be a means to express the all wonderful music singing everything to worship the all wonderful and that's what in the indian thought it was there everything owed its origin to some uh, you know language everything in its origin belonged to you know the divine from where it flew so in the ignorance you have one kind of knowledge you can't get it if you just cut it off and cut the knot and say okay i belong only to um is very beautiful but you know bhaj govindam bhaj govindam bhaj govindam mood mati because something comes next is similar to that so how we should act vidyancha vidyancha yast dvedo bhayam saha look at the power of this avidyam mrityum tirtva vidyam amrutam asnuti now vidya 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 is oneness oneness is what behind let's take an example practical example tiger leaps upon a deer oh bichara deer look at tiger you start but what is that force which leaps in a tiger that force is he what is the force that gives the deer swiftness to try and escape that force is he he is playing with himself now this is one example of oneness 
बिहाइंड एवरीथिंग इवन दैट्स वॉट दृष्टि कृष्णा सेज नो बिहाइंड इवन द इंटेलिजेंस ऑफ द पर्सन हु इज प्लेइंग द डाइस आई एम देयर क्लेवर माइंडेड आई एम द इंटेलिजेंस इवन ऑफ द क्लेवर ही मे बी मिस यूजिंग इट दैट्स ए डिफरेंट थिंग ऑल टूगेदर बट स्टिल आई एम देयर एंड ऑल ऑफ इट कम्स फ्रॉम देयर सो वाइल ही हु नोज दैट एज बोथ इन वन the knowledge and the ignorance shubhendra describes in savitri in secret knowledge very beautifully and knowledge and ignorance are their eyes interchange when purusha or prakriti one of them they are playing with each other one shuts the eye then it is ignorance when they look at each other it is knowledge so you see that's how vishnu creates the world when he is sleeping <laughs> he who knows that as both in one the knowledge and the ignorance by the ignorance crosses beyond death ever seen this this paradox used to always strike me everybody says ki duniya se jana hai escape karna hai nirvana all this stuff you know but everybody will say sadhana is done only in the body are what does it mean it's a trap according to you then it has to be done within the body why because the soul grows through this entire experience that's how it is ready to enter into the state of immortality by the ignorance crosses beyond death and by the knowledge enjoys immortality it's not like it enters into extinction it enjoys immortality here in the realm of death in the realm of ignorance and it further you know qualifies it knows that human beings are highly analytical minded and but upanishad's plan is never to argue and discuss and debate it's it great truths intuitively are given to earth and man to reflect upon and realize them so again first was andham tama pravishanti ye avidyam upasate now comes andham tama pravishanti ye sambhutim upasate tato bhuya iva te tamo va u sambhute amrata into a blind darkness they enter who follow after the non birth they as if into a greater darkness who devote themselves to the birth alone i just want to you know my life here my life of ignorance my little family and the other who say this is nothing i have no wife no child nothing i am just an atma <laughs> but for food i need my wife <laughs> for giving me respect i want my son to give me respect and look after him but i am an atma look at the falsehoods in you know that creep in so <laughs> atma is atma no <laughs> so here he says there are two ways men devote themselves either to cutting off the cycle and entering into non birth or they engage themselves into the birth and both are darknesses other verily it is said is that which comes by birth there is something which comes only by birth you can't get it by being there gods don't have it what human beings have it and he'll describe what is it other that which comes by the non birth this is the lore we have received from the wise who reveal that to our understanding look at the melody you know which flows and then he says just like avidyancha vidyancha 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 sambhutincha vinashascha he who knows that as both in one the birth and the dissolution of birth what is dissolution of birth is it the dissolution of existence no 
It's just a changeover of the mode of the one existence. It is the same existence which changes modes and ultimately that stable basis comes back again. He who knows that as both in one, the birth and the dissolution of birth. By the dissolution, crosses beyond death and by the birth, enjoys immortality. He knows. He who knows this. He is not afraid. He doesn't shrink from birth. Because he knows that birth is birth and death are only processes of the outer being. Even the mind doesn't die. Life doesn't die. Existence doesn't die. Even matter doesn't die for that matter. It simply disintegrates, changes into energy form. That's all. So he is conscious of his immortality. And when you are conscious of your immortality, you are not afraid of birth. You enjoy the immortality. <laughs> Look at this. Otherwise, oh my God. Till you get the first chocolate, and after that, so many chocolates nature keeps giving you. You will go to listen to the lecture of the Babaji. You will say, this is Mithya. And as you come out, you are accumulating all the Mithyas. Man is not made for that. It is meant for something much greater. So then how should we act in this world? Okay, all this is fine. What should be the principle of living? Now the Rishi invokes the higher truth. It's not a moral code, it's not a social conduct, it's not a religious principle. But something else, that which has impelled this creation, I must be one with that. Then only I will know what I should do at each moment. Because that is how the whole thing is built up. There is the divine who has become all this. So now I have to act. Now comes the problem, okay, all this is understood. Yet I have to act when I am born. How should I act? By becoming one with the divine. Not just one with this static poise, but by the dynamic impulsion of truth. In our yoga, we will say, become one with the divine will. By the Agni, with the Agni. So here, he, this famous one, Hiranmayena patrena satya syapihitam mukham tattvam pushanna pavranu satya dharmaye drishtaye The face of truth is covered with a brilliant golden lid. Right now also it is that which is moving, but there is a lid. So because we can't bear that impulsion. So it is through nature. It's, it's what, you know, nature, how does it act? By moha. But the original is maya, the original impulsion of truth, the dharma. Dharma is not just the eternal bedrock of existence, but also the impulsion in things. The true impulsion, not the false impulsion, the, not the crookedness that comes in with ego and desire, but dharma. So the Rishi says, the face of truth is covered with a brilliant golden lid. That do thou remove, O fosterer. You are the one who is anyways nurturing us, fosterer. But hidden behind. He is like the father who has given the ATM card. Use it whichever way. ATM card has limited money. After you have finished, he says, Okay, get back. I will see how you spent it. Based on how you spent it, I will give you the next ATM card. If you have spent it well, he gives us a little upgraded you know, global card. If you have spent it very miserably, he will give us a handout, some checks to us. Time to time you cash it. Now this is not about money, but about our inner being and its capacities. But if we have become one with the father at our call, then he doesn't have to give ATM card. He says, okay, okay, you pick up ATM. <laughs> I'll do the needful. 
Because now we have become one with the Father. So he says, remove that lid. O fosterer. He is the fosterer. For the law of the truth for sight. Not by thought can we know it, but by sight. Awaken that sight within us. Seer will. The sheer vision. How you are looking at this world. How you are impelling this world. Give us that sight. So the Rishi is praying. And these are absolutely in, in Savitri lines which ring like that. O truth defended in thy secret son. Exactly. Hiranmayena patrina satisapi So yes, now that lid has been removed. It's true. So the prayer has been answered. Yet, we have to, now it is active upon this earth. Now we have to align ourselves with it. So what is the way to align ourselves with it? But before that he further describes, O fosterer, you see how uh, this idea that there is just that guru sitting out there on the parapet and with all the full malas. How is the divine? Shubhinda says in this yoga we don't use the word, it's not common to use the word guru. Because we are relating with the divine and with the divine you can relate in so many ways. Here the Rishi relates, O fosterer. He is the one who is our father and mother who takes care of us, fosters us, the cow of plenty. O soul seer, you alone know the truth. O ordiner, you have arranged these things in the right way. O illumining son, O power of the father of creatures. So you are the mother. Mother is the power of the father of creatures. Marshal thy rays. Draw together thy light, absolutely hinting at the supramental. Because it's only in the supermind that all these rays are marshaled together and then distributed. Marshal thy rays, draw together thy light, the luster which is thy most blessed form of all. That will later on give rise to, of course, what we know today, Shurabindu's Gayatri. Marshal thy, the most auspicious form. That in thee I behold. So how am I relating with you? As all these things. You are the fosterer. You are the ordainer. You are the one who has set into motion everything. You are the power of the father of all creatures. Prajapati. And I am invoking your presence in my life. And then it takes a very bold step. That in thee I behold. And the bold step is. So hamasmi. Never a more powerful sentence has ever been uttered. The Purusha there and there, he am I. Because my dad, my mom, he am I. It's one of the boldest utterances ever found anywhere in any literature. He am I. Okay, it's my secret truth. I have not become it. So it tells us the way to arrive at that in the next couple of slokas. But first thing is, He am I. So, wonderful. How am I to realize it? So the Upanishad goes further. The breath of things is an immortal life. But of this body, ashes are the end. Identify with the bodily self, with the De Atmbodh, you'll lose it. So what we are to identify with it? Om O will, Om Kritosmar, Kritamsmar, Kritosmar, Kritamsmar. O will, remember that which was done. Remember, 
Oh well, remember that which was done, remember. Don't be identified with this. Identify with the immortal portion, the eternal portion within us. That which took the plunge into this. And if you do that, then you will start living by the law of truth in this world. What about uh, sin and evil? That are also there, no? Okay, you identify but crookedness is there in human nature. So now that Surya which is there is here as Agni. As the divine will in each element of creation. There it is the law of truth. The vast, the infinite. Here it is as the divine impulsion, divine will in every creature. So now he says, Agni, Naya, Supatharai, Asman, Vishwani, Deva, Vayunani, Vidwan. Oh God, Agni. This Agni is of course the inner flame. The divine will in man, the flame of aspiration burning in the soul. Knowing all things that are manifested, lead us by the good path to the felicity. <laughs> Be the guide, inner guide. Because there are several paths to felicity. The Asura takes the path of conflict and wrestle. At the end, he too has felicity. How? By abolishing his ego in the wrestle of God. He is finished. And that moment he is finished, he says, Ah, I am one with the Lord. But that's not the path for man, not the path of wrestle, but the path of embrace. He says, Lead us by the good path to the felicity. When Agni burns, it burns away all the sins and impurity. Remove from us the devious attraction of sin. What is sin? To turn away from the law of truth. As simple as that. There is no definition of sin. <laughs> Turn away from the law of truth basically means lead a life of egoism and desire. Only thinking about yourself, that's opens to sin. Lead a life wanting to manifest the divine will in one's life. You are on the straight path to felicity. To the completest speech of submission we would dispose. So you see karma yoga is there, jnana yoga is there, now bhakti yoga comes. I submit myself completely to thee. O thou who dwellest in the heart. And with this... This wonderful Upanishad closes 18 slokas which reveal the entire secret. I think it was worth spending a whole thing on <laughs> Isha Upanishad. Next time we will read that some portions from the Isha Vash Upanishad. Thank you.